0: Dante looked down at the lint in the toilet bowl. It flitted and danced on the water's surface, making Dante think of all of the spiders he had caught and sadistically thrown in the bowl. He relieved himself and returned to the darkened bedroom. Raven Jane laid on the bed, the covers kicked from the mattress, but she had pulled them up over her feet, her nakedness not factored otherwise. Dante smiled like a thirsty man in a desert, finding a dewy bottle of Coke. The light bulb flashed popped and hissed like a sick snake. The Nazi soldiers thought taking a picture with an 80-year-old camera was odd, but anything for the sake of pride and prosperity. The photographer didn't say much, just kept mumbling some strange syllables over and over again like a mantra. As the men walked away, the only clear words that erupted out from underneath the cloth hood behind the camera was, This one's for my parents, you fucks. They turned, startled by the English that fell on their ears and seemed to drill into their skulls. As they began to approach, their strides lengthened, their hands gingerly falling to their holstered guns. They stopped. The camera's flash had long since faded from their eyes, but their vision started to swim with pink and blue and black dots. They fell to the ground, clutching their heads as blood erupted from every open orifice on their faces. Their screams brought more soldiers, but by the time the cavalry had arrived... The photographer was gone, and the subjects of the picture were piles of ash in the shape of men. The Fuhrer would want to know about this, the Nazi captain thought. My name is Doug, and this is Mr. Wright. That was a notes slash excerpt from the sequel novel to my first novel, Strangest Kindness. The working title for the sequel is Strangest Times. I'm going to be talking about sequels. This is something I foreshadowed on one of the episodes about writing finales, uh, and I am going to bring that back up right now. Um, in terms of writing a sequel, I, I would love to start with, uh, first, you need a good idea. But you've already had one in your prequel or first piece. So let's look at uh, closed versus open endings. Um, if you have a closed ending, Um, You didn't plan on a sequel, then a year later you have this lightning-in-a-bottle epiphany. Look at your ending. See if you can make it work. I talked a little bit about this on the previous episode in terms of writing finales, in terms of you could do a prequel, which I know is not a sequel, but it's got quill at the end. You might be able to fudge it a bit. Depending on how it ended, if you ended on a happy ending, well, then you can just start all over again with your Joseph Campbell, you know, uh, journey of a faceless hero monomyth. You can just start it all over again if you ended on an upbeat. If you ended on a downbeat, yeah, you can still do the the monomyth thing, but it's going to give you, I think, I think, sad endings. Uh, give you a little bit more of a wiggle room. Um, one, it creates tension at the end of the book, and readers are looking to relieve that. Uh, with the sequel, so they're immediately going to pick it up and want to know, how's this tension going to be resolved, and you do that with an open ending, and on, ending on a down note, I think, lends itself to the characters already in conflict, you're already, you know, you, you, you've you got something that should happen in, you know, the middle of your second act, happening at page one, beat one, um, you've got that conflict, you've got that tension, so, You know, if you have an idea for a sequel, walking into it, which I am going to bring up, not right now, I recommend ending your piece on a down note, but that's me. I find that works, and I've explained why. In terms of having a good idea for a sequel, sometimes it's not always needed or good. So think about that. If the idea doesn't seem to work, if it seems hackneyed, if it seems implausible, if, you know, you really can't work your way out of a closed ending and you feel up against a wall or the well's gone dry, don't worry about it. Either walk away from it and come back. Let's do in the back of your brain kitchen. Or maybe you just don't need one. Um, You know, sometimes, some movies, some books, some video games, some stories don't need a sequel. There was not like, you know, Gilgamesh 2, now it's personal. It was fine. Then, of course, you have Godfather 3 on the other side of that. So creating ideas. Sometimes you'll have an idea for the sequel as you're writing it. I didn't. Um, I'll be using Dante as uh, my main character in my first novel as a basis for this. I'll also be talking a little bit about Black Falls um, later on. Not technically a sequel piece, but it's an ongoing piece, and I'll be talking about working that in. So say you, have an I- say you don't have an idea. Okay, walk away from it, come back, see what happens. Like I said, maybe it's not needed. Um, if you want to do kind of a spinoff, that can always work. Uh, I would love to do a prequel book or a side book spinoff with the character Raven Jane. Uh, I think she was really interesting. I didn't explore her enough. Now, can I do that in the sequel? Absolutely. Does that, does that necessitate a spinoff then? No. And I already have an idea for a sequel right there because I didn't want to, I didn't explore a character enough to my liking. But say you do have an idea. So you have an idea. Here's, here's something Here's a terrifying thought that I've had. I have an idea for a 12-book series. 12 books. So obviously I have a sequel in place almost 11 times. Uh, Actually, exactly 11 times. I know how I need to end each book to move the character along in the entire story arc that goes over all 12 books. These ideas lend themselves to a sequel. My first novel really didn't. Um, I ended up writing kind of an open ending, um, some foreshadowing from a couple characters, kind of the the Greek chorus, Ghost of Yorick type of character uh, in my novel, kind of foreshadowing something, you know, awaiting the character, and I, at the time, didn't know what, and then months later, or I, I don't know how long, really, I don't, you know, keep a weird idea calendar, I had... Epiphany, I had that lightning in a bottle, I had that aha moment, I felt like a young Tyrannosaurus hopped up on meth and sex rays, and I was like, oh, that's that's the idea, this is what I want to do. Um, they seem like um, disparate ideas, I can work that in a certain way, I took a nod from Warren Ellis's gun machine, uh, structurally, and once I was like, okay, I kind of cracked the nut, I know what I want to do. Um, and then I, you know, would go on and plot it and so forth and so on. Was it needed? Once again, I think so. I didn't explore certain characters. I had a great idea, in my opinion, that moved my character along, made him grow, added a new a couple facets to him and his world. And you know, the the underground, the magic underground that he moves in as a network of people. Sometimes you just have the idea, and you need to know how to write an open-ended finale. Well, go listen to my episode about finales. Um, but you can always end, you know, open-endedly with, you know, a t- not necessarily a to be continued. I don't like when people write that. Um, I do like the blank will be back, like James Bond or Thanos at the end of the uh, Avengers Infinity War, which I'm not going to spoil on the show, but, yeah, go see it anyway. It's a fantastic movie. You can add foreshadowing, you can end it on a tense beat where what's going to happen next, you're literally writing it as if there's going to be a next chapter, and there isn't. Um, You can always do that, as long as it's not super abrupt. It's not like you just want to take them up to the cliff, and you either want to kick them, like you don't want them to feel like you've just kicked them off, or they feel like jumping uh, suicidally. So, in that, uh, the next note I have, yes, I have notes for this episode. Uh, Planning versus organic. This is something I've come back to probably every second or third episode. Planning with a outline or detailed notes or something scribbled poop on a wall I, I don't care um, what you use as long as it's not you know my poop and you know my wall versus organic writing free form organic writing which um, I I do in kind of inside of an outline I wouldn't it's not freeform organic but I have my beats I need to hit anything in the middle sometimes happy accidents sometimes horrid train wrecks occur. But I think if you're going to have a sequel, I think you need to plan. I think you need to know, not necessarily the top beats of the book, um, chapters 1 through, you know, 10, but maybe the last chapters, however many you have, you know, 40 to 50, chapters 40 to 50, or whatever, however many chapters you have, you know, know how you're going to hit that third act. Because um, you're going to need to hit the ground running to set everything up at the be- you know at the, at the beginning of your, th- or um, you know, to start... To start really cooking at the top of that third act, and then set everything up at the end of the third act to start the sequel when you get to it. So, Freeform Organic, yeah, I mean, you can get to a point where you're like, yep, that's where it's going to end, um, or I'm done with the, 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 the piece, the, the book, the comic, whatever, the screenplay, and you're like, cool, and I have a sequel, and that's just kind of where it ends, it happened organically. I don't trust serendipity. Never have never will, especially when it comes to something where you know you're going to have something after. It's going to be a structure, it's going to be, not a formula, but something you know is going to be on the horizon. I I don't trust the fates for that. Um, I recommend an outline at least having you know the last third of the book planned out so that you know how you need to end it, as opposed to possibly pinning yourself into a corner or accidentally falling off a cliff. That's a metaphor I'll be using a lot on this episode, apparently. Um, Lastly, ongoing versus standalone is what the note says. Now, what that means, and this is why I brought up Black Falls um, about five minutes ago, Dante Kindness, the books in that series, are standalone. Um... I'm trying to write it so that if you pick up the second book, you don't really need to know what happened in the first one. You know, there'll be a bit of a primer. There'll be some exposition. But other than that, it's a standalone. I wouldn't consider it an ongoing yet. I mean, it it could be a franchise. That'd be nice. Uh, It could be a series. Um, But I think each book, I I want to be a standalone piece. I, I take that in mind in terms of that planning with an outline. In terms of an ongoing piece, you want to look at another podcast we have on this network called Black Falls based on a novella I wrote years ago, and we have since done new seasons of it where I write, you know, four or five new pieces and put them out, and it's an ongoing story. Uh, that one, I don't I don't really plan. I plan right before I write it. Um, I let the theme emerge. I, you know, put some ideas together uh, in a little notepad on my computer, and I just kind of let it stew, let it percolate. And once the theme kind of captures itself and I have the ideas... I don't write... I have the idea. I don't write an outline for it. I don't know where it's going to end, how it's going to end. Um, it turns out that there, are, there was a piece last season on Season 4 of Black Falls and now Season 5 that I've never done this before. I have an ongoing story inside of the ongoing story. A very uh, Canterbury con- uh, Tales um, vibe, if you will. A little uh, 1001 Arabian Nights vibe, Shahrazad, if you will. That I, I don't really do... Everything's really open-ended except for certain things. Um, I did just write a death scene, which I have an episode about. I think. Did I do death scenes yet? Ooh, That's either foreshadowing or uh, the aforementioned. I apologize. So, I just wrote a death scene, and I know that that obviously had to be a finale of of sorts. Not of the season, but um, that had to be... I had to hit that beat, and it was going to be a closed ending as the character dies. I'm not bringing him back. Death is, quote-unquote, fairly permanent in Black Falls. Uh, Only one character's been brought back, and that was resolved. In that, yeah, it's a closed ending, but the last line goes, okay, that's the end of this chapter, but the next chapter is already foreshadowed. And each chapter is kind of a self-contained story as well. So I have both kind of a closed ending on one character, but an open ending with a different character. So even the piece itself combines both using two different characters. So that's something you can experiment with as well. I know it sounds... I think it sounds a little complicated, but I think it's a lot easier done than said. I think it sounds confusing, but I think if you were to map it out or have an outline, you could see where you're like, okay, well, this guy has an endpoint, but what's the other guy doing? And it may not be your antagonist. It may not be your protagonist. It may be a secondary or tertiary character. Who knows? Um, that's kind of the fun of writing. Are those, like I said, lightning in a bottle yet another... That's an analogy, not a metaphor. Because um, it is that, not like that, in case you were looking for a entomology, and uh, that's uh, entomology and grammar lesson. And on that note, I will bid you adieu. So remember, you keep writing. They'll keep reading right on. If you liked this, check out some of our other shows like Mr. Right, Exotic Liability, and no applause, just the clap. You can find us at www.bacnpodcast.com and by searching for BACN on iTunes and Stitcher. Oh yeah.